Good morning. This is Gaming Perspectives with Saul and Jolene. And today we're going to talk about a question that somebody asked me. Uh oh. What's the question? Why would anyone play a role playing game? Ooh. Actually, after years and years of playing, I won't say exactly how many, I actually thought about this. I go, well, I wonder if my role playing has been a complete waste of time. Which is a question a lot, probably a lot of people who don't play go, wow, that's just a waste of time. That was the first thing. Right. Isn't there something you could better you could be doing with your time? Right. And so I think you're right. I think people who who look at role playing from the outside say, look at these guys and pe- people, not just guys anymore, uh, who spend a lot of time uh, reading books, these esoteric books of of rules and uh, on subjects that some people might find strange and and basically they just don't understand what role playing is me on the inside is like i spend a lot of time on looking at things and reading reading for my our adventures that i run for my campaigns that i run and i think what people don't realize is what role playing is other than just playing games right we and, and what else would I be doing if I wasn't playing role-playing games? So a lot of people compare role-playing games to any other hobby that people have. And I think that's true. That's a good way to, to gain some insight as to what is valuable about the hobby and what isn't valuable about it. For example, there's plenty of people who watch sports. That's a, that's a, usually a big comparison. They, they spend, they watch, let's say, for example, football. All, every Sunday, every all Sunday, people watch football usually you're talking about american football right american football yes Yes. you're right american football (laughs) i was gonna say not soccer but that's the football and i know people who are like that right they'll they'll oh i can't play sunday or i can't do anything on sunday because i'm watching football and that's what 16 weeks i don't know 18 weeks that football takes up plus the super bowl i don't know who cares about that stuff but some a lot of people do, and then and then, but then it used to be just Sunday, right? But then they have Monday night football, Thursday night and football, Thursday night football, and Friday night football, and then if you throw in the college games, well, that's a whole lot of time watching tele- watching football on television. And some people, what's what weird is that people don't blink an eye about people doing that about <clears throat> playing football or watching well, football. I know I don't know a lot about American football because it's kind of boring, but. <laughs> we just lost lost 10 listeners (laughs) (laughs) but i do watch a lot of sports baseball and i'm forced to watch basketball because my son likes it and then there's rugby which you know that i watch avidly yes and that doesn't interfere with my role-playing games right and my role-playing games don't interfere with that (laughs) but a lot of people do sports or watch sports and talk about sports as a way to it's it's a common thing for people to talk about like in the workplace and a lot of people learn about american culture and other cultures because of sports well you said yourself that one of your one of your people that you work with he got he wasn't from here in the united states but he started watching baseball because he was in boston and he's a big you know the people in his office started talking about right, it. right right so and then so he learned about it that way right and then and then now he likes the a's because now he's on this kind of sort of the coast so but but it's funny that that you can get indoctrinated to this American. not even indoctrinated just it's a way to <laughs> to become familiar with with the culture and also to be able to talk to people that you don't know right and learn about them Right. Yeah. Well, one way I really like to upset people is when people start talking about a team and I totally say, well, 
let's say I I obviously know what team what kind of game it is right because I I've been in the United States my whole life so I know the Dallas Cowboys are a football team. Not only that, he has watched American football. Yeah, I have. People when people start talking about sports, I usually say, "Oh, I don't watch that sport," and I usually say another sport that's completely different. So, like, let's say they're talking about. The, the, and he thinks he's funny. Yeah, I am hilarious. Uh, they're what talking about the Dallas Cowboys. I go, oh, I don't watch hockey. And they're like, it's football, dude. I go, really? Oh. And they get really upset about it because I don't know that they're talking about football and not hockey. And then and then I'll, I'll you know say stuff like that. I go, oh, I think that game's way too fast. I can't, you know, basketball, they just keep running back over back and forth on the court. And they're like, oh, we're talking about hockey. Oh, oh okay. Which upsets a lot of people. But back to the question is people spend a lot of time watching sports and, and some people pay a lot of money to go watch the, the sports live. And I don't know if buying tickets to sports games was always as expensive as it is today, but it's really expensive today. And even if you buy cheap seats, it's it's pricey, right? And then you're spending time, usually unless you live right across a baseball park or football stadium. You have to whatever, get there. You have to get there. You have to pay parking. and you, It's a whole day event. For us, we're going to go watch a Giants game. Today. So right? so it's going to be a big event. You know, We don't live close to San Francisco. Well, we do sort of. I mean, we're not in L.A., but but uh, it's it's a it's a it's a big event for us to go. And you spend money on the tickets. So when you're role playing the role playing game hobby, tabletop role playing right. game hobby, you spend money on the books. Trust me. Right. Saul has spent a lot of money on the books <laughs> over the years. Over the years. <laughs> so, but people do spend a lot of money on like memorabilia, right? Baseball cards and stuff like that. Well, then I can buy as many dice as I want. Then, right? Oh yeah, yeah, you have the big old and miniatures and we and don't we usually buy miniatures we were when the when the when we when the kids were playing pathfinder we bought oh, yeah. a ton of miniatures yeah, yeah, yeah. i used to use miniatures quite a bit i use that as a, a lot of people use that as a as a comparison because it's a hobby that's what a lot of people call it the gaming hobby and i think it's a correct way of thinking about it also entertainment see the, the problem the not the problem but the 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 issue is is that for me this hobby is more than just a hobby of liking something right watching sports is also a way of, of uh, socializing socializing uh, it's a little different because you're socializing over what is it a specific thing and people can feel intimidated by not knowing about that thing like if i didn't know much about football and let's say i I'd say i do know a little bit but i really don't know that much and I might feel left out of the conversation if they're talking about this statistic or that statistic compared to like somebody who does and be really involved. And I'm like, okay, I'm not into the weeds of that. Sport. I think that's why people say that to like to me. Um, I work with a lot of salesmen, so salesmen. If they, they're the worst in sports. If, <laughs> if they know if if they say, so what are you doing? Oh, my husband has a, a gaming convention that we're going to. They want to know what kind of gaming convention. And when I tell them, they're like, oh. Well, that doesn't seem very fun. And I'm like going, well, I don't know what you do, but this is part of the fun of getting together. It is a social thing. It is a, a way of people enjoying a hobby and stuff, whether it's board games or role-playing games or whatever. Well, one of the aspects is that it is social, right? It is. You do Which is funny because this person said, well, aren't all those people that play those role-playing games antisocial? 
Yes, uh, I, I've, I've heard that before. And I think that's a very archaic, that's a very 80s, 90s way of looking at it. Uh, it's been 77, uh, 74, actually, when D&D came out. Let's say, let's say it's been a long time since 1980, right? And since that time, one, more people are playing role-playing well, games than ever before. And I think more people are understanding that that role-playing games and, and the game the gaming hobby is more than just playing games with just your friends it's also has to do with because of that it's interacting with other people and socializing with other people and then the more you look into what role-playing games is it's socializing with people and having fun but at the same time uh i I was gonna say that uh we had an interview with gabe garcia who's writing the war stories and he said something that really hit home for me is, is that that we as a society, at least in this society, we don't really have an outlet for telling stories other than maybe somebody who makes a lot of money and is able to get a movie made. He could t- he or she can tell their story and hopefully people will go see it. Role playing games is the exact same thing, except it's more shared storytelling uh depending on how you play you can have the the dictatorial gm that you know is running his story and should probably be writing a book but but he's still telling the story and then there's other gms who are able to allow other people to really tell a shared storytelling experience just yesterday they uh, ran a game that had to do with samurai fighting ninjas and and each person, each player got to introduce the scene, got to basically run the scene and tell what was going to happen. And he could involve other players. Other players could show up. And it was very interesting. It was a very interesting way of, of role playing. I think that was pretty cool. I'm not used to that much uh, narrative control for players. But as a GM, I was able to figure things out and, and it wasn't too much of a problem. And I think that's pretty cool. I think Gabe, when he said that, he go, and I think he's right. In the American society or in modern society, most people don't have a way of telling stories. And he used the the, the example, not an analogy, but example of when he gets together with his family, they all tell stories about Uncle Bob or Uncle Jim. And in fact, that's the same thing that happens in my family. We have misadventures of my siblings who get into trouble back in the old days and continue to get into trouble today but they tell those stories they tell the stories about my parents you know who are no longer with us and they tell my brother is famous for telling the story about my the rifleman my dad right where he did something and and with his rifle comes out with his with his gun at the hip and shoots and uh calls a bit of mayhem uh, they, they lived in a ranch somewhere out in the boonies. That's the storytelling. That's we all get together and we all tell stories. But I think other, most most families do that. Most families do that, yeah. and and I think that's that's what where Gabe hit it right on the head is that is that we been telling stories from the very beginning since the first time people have been able to communicate. And I think having an outlet like role playing role playing games to take it out of just just out of people getting together at family gatherings but now you have not strangers but people outside your family and you're you're bringing them into a group and you're sharing telling the story and you're getting different ideas and 
And I think that's pretty amazing. I think that's pretty pretty good. So I think that's pretty important. I think uh, role-playing games is a special a special thing that can happen with groups of people that, that are not in the family. And you can tell these stories. And I think it fills a a urge that almost everybody has in in that aspect of having to tell a story. But they're not very realistic. <laughs> well, that was another complaint. I think reading reading books i i another aspect of role-playing games is i equate to reading books and watching movies and watching movies right you know which before movies came about books was about the closest you come to a movie so i equate movies and books almost in the same format and it's not a format but the same i part of yeah i don't know what you call it but in the same bucket right so movies and books are a way of us as as watchers or re- readers to go into another person's world, whether that's a simple mystery or or uh, it's a story, uh, whatever it yeah, is, whatever story You're that they're telling, watching or right? reading about a, a right. story. And I think that storytelling, right, the storytelling from the from the writer's perspective, from the screenplay. You know, movies are a little bit more complicated because there's all kinds of things that happen in movies. There's actors, there's directors, there's screenwriters. It's still a, a storytelling right. experience. So, but you know, I mean, it's it's a gr- big group of people who are telling a story that is for us to, to consume uh, passively, right? You know, we we passively read. We're we're not taking part of it. Where I think uh, nobody's going to complain that. Well, some people might complain that reading a book or watching a movie is a complete waste of time, but it's it's a huge part of society now people read a ton of books uh people watch a ton of movies and and i think role playing is is a is a way of doing that is a way of telling the story that you want to tell and that's what role playing games are when people first start playing role playing games it was like this oh i have a story to tell and maybe it was just a dungeon right but that's story of a dungeon of why it came to be and why you were in these uh, tunnels and stuff like that another thing is that we quickly came out of the dungeons right we don't we didn't stay in the dungeons or at least i didn't our whole time and there were other stories to tell other stories outside the dungeon why was there a dungeon who is in charge of the dungeon why are these monsters in there and as as we become more and i hate to use the word sophisticated but as we become more sophisticated in telling our stories or creating our world and wanting to share that with other players, uh, we have to flesh it out. We have to give reasons for why things work. So the whole idea that it's unrealistic, sure. Uh, the f- f- no, the the f- Lord of the Rings is an unrealistic story if you base it in today's world or in reality of what we live in. But in that game world, Tolkien made his own reality. He made this world. Uh, he made it believable enough that people really love those set of books. Yeah, there's people who study the Lord of the Rings. They, you know, they give classes on the Lord of the Rings, and it's just one set of books. Maybe another set of books. Maybe the Hobbit and the Lord of the Rings. And some people say that the Hobbit and the Lord of the Rings are two totally separate w- w- books, and they are, and they have different meanings and different reasons for existing. But they are in the same world, so I think that's that's why I group them together, obviously. And people are experts of uh, Middle Earth. So the whole, uh, it's unrealistic. John Wick is unrealistic. And yet John Wick movies gross a lot of money. Almost any movie is unrealistic, right? Any, uh, you know, uh, uh, Die Hard. Mission Impossible. 
I know that people can probably do some of those things, but it's unrealistic to think that Tom Cruise can hold on to a a ship or a, not a ship, but a, a plane and, and be able to pull himself into the plane and do all kinds of stuff. I'm sure someone could. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. So, some of the stuff that, so obviously there's stuff people who do stuff, but the, and then there's the movie magic. As yes. Say. But like John Wick, I mean, you know, he gets hit, he gets shot, he gets beat up. And most people, I don't think people would be able to get up and keep going. Well, soldiers. Yeah. Okay. But it's still unrealistic. I, I'm not saying it's not unrealistic. I'm just saying that yeah. it is possible. But I think you're right. I think one of the criticisms uh, of, of it being unrealistic is kind of like, I, I don't even understand that one because I understand that. That there's a lot of things that are unrealistic, or even football. And football is unrealistic in a certain sense because, because you're talking about certain set of paradigms or rules that make that game possible. If people were to break the rules and get away with it, obvious rules breaking the rules, then the the whole game changes and it doesn't. It's not this. It's not football, right? It's mayhem, which some people think that would be better, but. So the unrealistic thing, I think it's a, just a uh, people to attack. Usually D and D, right? Because they talk about oh, well, they don't fairies. they don't understand what's going on. That's the problem, right? So so they're gonna say that they have no idea what a role playing game is. Right. So they are gonna say that a lot of these criticisms are for people who really just don't understand or have never played a game or have any idea what it is. Right. I think if you play the game once, you have a better understanding of what is trying to be accomplished. So the last one is the antisocial one, yeah. or at least that's what the last I think, again, I think that you, I had. I think all these terms, and I, I think they still exist, they're, they're basically stereotypes, right? They're stereotypes of RPG players that have existed since early in the game, early in the hobby. And I think for the most part, as I recall, back when I first went to a gaming convention in 83, yeah, we were a bunch of nerds. I mean, they were nerdy guys. And then I say guys because, honestly, when I went to Pacificon in 1983, 90% of the people there, if not more, were guys. Sure, there was some women there who were the girlfriend of somebody, and some of the people on the on the staff of the game con were women who obviously played games but they were few and far between and they were nerdy we were nerds i mean i wasn't nerdy i don't think i i didn't have that nerdy i didn't tape put tape on my glasses i didn't laugh like horseshack from the um, from welcome back carter which shows you how old i am right that kind of laugh uh i didn't i don't think i'm i was anti-social i don't think i was uh, i just like playing role-playing games and that my brother was more nerdy than I was, right? I believe he was, and so <laughs> sorry, Felipe. I had nothing to do with that. Yeah, yeah, and so no, but he was right. He was in the chess club when, in high school. He played, you know, he started playing role playing. There's games. nothing wrong with the chess There's club. Nothing wrong with the chess club. You're right. I'm not saying, but it's considered a nerdy thing to do, right? But he did wrestle, so he was a wrestler, and uh, but uh, he just was more nerdy than I was, right? And in, in your opinion, in my opinion, and I think uh, it's. I think it's true. I mean, I just, I do, I really do. But, but he was the one who got me into the hobby. So, and he was the one who went, we, I went, we and him went together to the 
to Pacificon when it when we first started going to the first conventions we went we went to, and in 1983, people could describe us as not antisocial, but very, you know, uh, what's another? Awkward. Awkward. Socially awkward, right? Easily. It was a hobby for people who were into Tolkien, who were into uh, fantasy literature from... Uh, into miniature war games. And from and miniature war games, which also was a is a very... Uh, small segment of the population who play war uh, war games and they tend to be nerdy in a certain sense right they love let's say whatever miniature they're into the the genre like world war ii or napoleonics which was huge back when i was younger i don't know if it's still huge now but napoleonics was like the big deal and when you become a miniature player or you come from that minute those guys and I use guys because that's what they were back then. I'm sure there was a few women playing, but they were really steeped in the history of Napoleonics, right? They could tell you what units were in what battles and stuff like that. And so they were very knowledgeable about certain things about that subject. They were like almost experts in that stuff. And when people are like, like it's like that sports nerd who all he talks about is sports, right? And he can't, and I say he though it could be a woman, they can't get out of that mode. All they can talk, all they do is compare everything to football. Oh yeah, that's like you know this football situation. And then and so you, you, when you're that steeped in in that kind of genre, you are kind of nerdy, no matter what genre it is. Even a sports nerd. Okay, you can give up the nerdy word. <laughs> the nerdy word. So anybody, anybody who's a fan and and of of a certain thing they can become a little bit conceived, you know, conceived as awkward because then they can't deal with other situations that pop up. Like, like let's say somebody's into Napoleonics, right? And then you start talking about football. They may not have a clue about football, right? They're like, well, yeah, I don't even know. I don't even watch football. And so, and so they're awkward. They're not awkward. They just don't know about it. And other people are like, oh, how can you not know about football? They, I, 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 people look at me that way. I'm like, I could care less about football. And I tell them, I'm like, I don't know. And then they seem shocked when I tell them, I go, well, do you watch football? I go, I really don't like football. Well, I don't like it. They're like, what? And they get really upset that I don't like their, their favorite sport. But see, role players don't get upset if if people don't like what they do. They just invite them to come and play (laughs) with them. And that's what's truly... And the idea that they're antisocial is very odd because the whole thing is social. You are sitting around a table with people, whether you know them or not. You're engaged in a, a social activity where you're talking amongst each other. Right. You are literally playing a role and it's very social right so you're right I, like i said it, all these negative aspects of role-playing games i think come from a, an old stereotype that existed for a very brief time the stereotype of sitting in your basement right in the dark right with well, a candle uh, role okay, playing with, with dice i don't think that I don't, honestly i'm sure some people did that but that's such a small group of people that you cannot use that as an actual stereotype because 
that really did not exist. I mean, I'm sure people did. Um, I'm sorry, but it did exist. Maybe not the candle part, but yes. The candle. People with basements, that's probably where they played, If well, they, depending on where they well, lived. Well, that's, that's the large room that people had to play in. That's what I'm saying. And they, the parents probably didn't want them in the living room because they're like, take your silliness or your craziness and go to the basement. That was like the family room of today, yes. right? The game room to today. People now have game rooms and stuff like that. So we don't, but yeah, people do. <laughs> Uh, I see that on Facebook. So I think people who call it antisocial really don't know what they're talking about. And you're right. Anybody who, not anybody, but more, I've, I believe most people that I that I come in contact with, they might have some social uh, anxiety or be willing to deal with people. But they're very nice people, and they're more than most of them are willing to. If you don't know a game, they're willing to say, "Oh yeah, I should play this game." Oh, you should, you should, I'll play my game. Oh, I'm running a game here. I'm running a game there. They're more than willing to invite you to the games. Uh, if you go to the conventions, a lot of times people are just wandering around and I've seen it. I've done it. You know, I, I, we've been playing the game and you see a person walking and they're kind of looking at your table and you're like, uh, are you free? Do you want to try this game out? And they're like, oh yeah. And they'll sit down and start playing the game. Never seen them. Never, never, don't know idea who they are. And yet you're inviting a complete stranger to to your table, literally to your table. And you're going to spend the next 30 to hour and two hours with this person showing them how to play the game if, he's, if they don't know how to play or or just playing the game if they do know how to play. How is that antisocial? That is the epitome of being the, what the opposite of antisocial is being very social. Well, and it also helps people who may be awkward in social situations to feel more comfortable. And that's part right. of the... Of yeah, the, I had to think about that aspect. Of the hobby is allowing people to... They're very accepting of people. Right. It doesn't... If you're, you're sitting down to play a role-playing game, people aren't going to judge you for whatever, you're, whatever you do unless you do something inappropriate. Then, right. Then it's, that's the other things. I think Teresa uh, Duringer, who we did an interview a while ago... She she makes a software developer, but really a game maker, and uh, she had an interesting idea of uh, with board games and how people who people who are able to teach a board game are able to become experts in in that game, and they're able to teach people. And she said that that that's an interesting uh, aspect of the hobby where people can feel like they're expert or good enough to teach other people how to play. And that makes them feel good, right? Because then p people are paying attention to them, listening to the words that they're saying, and they're able to share their knowledge, which is kind of like storytelling, right? You're sharing your knowledge with other people about this game. And it's really important to people to do that. And she says, you know, she's seen the examples of, of children, like people very young people explain to adults how to play a game. I remember Elaine when she was very young, like she was what, 11 when we encountered her at Dungeon Con and she was teaching us how to play. Uh, what was that game? Shadow hunters. She taught us how to play shadow hunters. She taught us, uh, she taught me how to play some other games and I, and he, you know, and what situations and Teresa made this point. It was what situations do children have the attention of, of adults and where adults are learning from the children and how important that makes those children feel. And helps them to develop their all their skills, right? Right, right. how to reason, how to explain things, how to communicate. I think that one of the aspects of role-playing games that 
helped all of the boys, Augustine and, and our friends' kids, to develop and become the people that they are now is the fact that they got to use their imagination. Right. They were taken seriously with what they said. Right. Sometimes they were laughed at for what they said, but they knew that they were in a safe place where they could could be themselves, be anybody at the table, right? right. They they played these roles, they did these things, they were mini maxers or they tried something different and it helped them to be able to go out into the world and do the same thing, right? To be self-confident in themselves that they can talk to other people and do things and 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 the games that we play like let's say pathfinder you know because it's so crunchy and even if it wasn't crunchy there's you're put in situations where you have to think about how you're going to react and i think that's amazing i think that that what is that the reasoning being able to reason out things i think extremely valuable for kids to learn how to be reasonable and how to evaluate things and weigh things out and say, Oh, this is, this is not going to work. And they could try it and and fail. And like, that didn't work out too good. Uh, It would have been better if I would have done this. And then, and then then when the situation comes up again, they can work on that and not, and not do the same mistake again. And also they can, if they're uncomfortable talking or, or coming up with an idea on their own, there's people, in the t- at the table who are willing to assist them and not make fun of them, right? right? They'll go, oh, maybe this is what you want to do. Is that what you want to do? And that kind of thing. Or right. they'll help them out and go, okay, you just tell me what you want to do and we'll figure it out. Right, that's social interaction and having to, having, uh, I don't like the word deal with, but having to interact with other people and talk to them and try to either convince them of your ideas or listen and see what, and evaluate whatever clues you come up with. That's huge. I mean, when where else are kids going to learn that kind of of lessons or that those lessons of reasoning, evaluating, critical thinking? That's huge. I don't and think, being imaginative, right? And, be, and using your imagination. And the time. unrealistic part of the game is, you know, the crazy stuff you can do yeah. that your barbarian monk can do, <laughs> right? Right. And that allows you to have that creative aspect. So. I don't understand the the socially and for me I just ignore questions like that when they come about cuz I don't have the ability to deal with this person and, <laughs> and explain to them what what I'm like well you should try it sometime right I think that's the key is that people should try it out and figure out like everything before you criticize something figure out what the people are doing I don't criticize people who watch sports. I just, it's not for me. I mean, I'll watch baseball games and stuff like that. I like baseball, but I'm not going to criticize somebody for watching football. I go, that's something they want to do. You will make fun of them though. I guess I do a little bit. (laughs) So I think a lot of the criticisms of role-playing games usually come from uh, people who just don't know what role-playing is. And I think that be for any subject. When people don't realize what what a certain hobby is or what sport is, they just don't know what it is. And then if you, uh, I think more more uh, role playing people, uh, hobby gaming people will are more likely to invite you to play. Hey, check it out. See if you like it. This is why we play. We play for for entertainment. We play to experience being able to tell stories. Just 
hang out together. You know, we talked about uh, uh, being uh, eating together is a big part of role playing games. Is is the snacks and the and the, and the camaraderie that that happens. So there's all kinds of positive aspects of role playing games, and uh, I don't think any of the you know, it's not a waste of time. It's not uh, not realistic, and and it's for socially awkward people or whatever. I think those are just old stereotypes that just you know stereotypes die hard i mean people stereotype all kinds of things and whether they're 200 years old or or 40 years old as far as rpgs you know it takes a while for uh those ideas to go away and i think the only way they can we could fight that or combat that in the center sense is to make people realize what role-playing games are and invite them to your table and then pretty soon they'll realize that they're a nerd too So the next time someone asks you why you play role-playing games, hopefully this was helpful and you can invite them to play. Right. This is Gaming Perspectives with Saul and Jolene. You have a good day.